So tonight, um, you finished and you finished up with um, with the humanity of Christ. Um, that's what Tom wrapped up last week. So you've covered the fact that Jesus Christ was fully human. And tonight, what we're going to pick up with is that Jesus Christ is fully God. And as you're reading this and as you study this, this there's, there's nothing to compare this to, is there? I know tonight there's not really anything that I'm going to teach you. There's not anything I'm going to read to you that you probably haven't read before or heard before. But I know tonight that for me, this was, as I prepared tonight for tonight's lesson, this was a reminder. You see, this is, this is what I came out of. My family, when I, I was born, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a younger fellow, I was born in 76. My family, um, when I was born, we attended the Worldwide Church of God. And when you hear Church of God, you get a, 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 mind, a set mindset around that. But Worldwide Church of God was not Church of God. It was not, it was not, the, it was not the good organ music and, and, and good... Pre- no, the Worldwide Church of God was a cult. And one of the things that the Worldwide Church of God did is we denied the deity of Jesus Christ. And what's, what's interesting about that is you couldn't read any of the literature and find that out. You couldn't read, because we would, we would talk about Jesus being the Son of God, but then we would use the, we, we, we didn't ascribe to the doctrine of the Trinity. So Jesus was a created being. And you can't find that in the Bible. Jesus was not created. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, but just what we're going to start off with tonight, in, in John 1.1, it says, in the beginning, the, there was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's, there's no basis for this. The deity, the Godhood of Jesus. Well, this Sunday, we're going to be singing a song called Cornerstone. And the reason we call, the reason we sing, when we talk about Jesus, we speak about him being the cornerstone of our faith is because of this. Denying the, the, the deity of Jesus opens you up to a world of trouble. And I know this because I lived through that. <laughs> She's looking for somebody. There we go. So as we open up and we look at the deity of Jesus Christ, what we're going to do um, tonight, one of the things that I like to do when I teach is I want my students to know what our objective is. I, I try and let them know, all right, this is, this is our end objective. And at the end of this, if you can't do X, if you can't do this, if you can't meet our objective, then you have a problem. Because fourth graders have to be taught to know that they know or know that they don't know. And that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. So our goal tonight, what I want us to start doing, is we're going to start looking at scriptural evidence for the deity of Jesus Christ. And that sounds really big, but basically what that means is I'm going to show you verses tonight that proves that Jesus Christ is God. That's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. You want to have that in there because there are people... The Worldwide Church of God, which doesn't exist anymore... Um, is not the only group out there who's going to deny the deity of Jesus. The scripture that I just read to you from, uh, from John 1, um, the Jehovah's Witness, when they read about the word being God, they use a little g. 
And they're the only people that have that out there, but they, there are people all the time that fall for that mess. So knowing and, and being able to point to where you can find in God's word that Jesus is God is important. So anytime you're, this is a huge subject. I mean, there's no way that I'm going to hit it all tonight. Um, that just like you, y'all spent weeks on the humanity of Jesus. You're going to spend weeks on the deity of Jesus. Anytime you look at something huge, one of the activities I do with my kids at school is we, we learn about what the word classify means. And in order to teach them that, what I do is I give them this bag full of shapes. And I tell them I want to know as much about the shapes in this bag as quickly as possible. And I'm going to give you 10 minutes in your group to study this, these shapes. You can do whatever you want to to them. And I want to be able to walk by and you be able to prove to me facts about these shapes as quickly as possible. And what they'll do is they'll take those shapes and they'll dump them out. And then they'll start sorting them. And they'll put all the circles over here and the squares, and the triangles. And I always put some in that don't match, just because I want to be ornery. Just because I want to give them something that doesn't match up. And so they'll put all the funny shapes over here. And then they'll look at it, and, and they'll realize, hey, there's, there's some red circles, there's some blue circles, there's some green circles. And so they'll start, and they'll, they'll, they'll sort them out. And I'll prove to them, hey, what your expert's at is your expert's at classifying because you had a large amount of stuff you wanted to study. And the best way to study that is to break it down into smaller groups. So that's what we're going to do with the scriptural evidence for Jesus Christ being God. So the way you can look at that is that these direct scriptural claims, you break it up by the words they use. Because there's a bunch of different ways that we talk about God, that the Bible talks about God. Um, and you, you, you have to go back. I'm going I'm to throw a, a, a Greek word out there, but it's a, it's a word you've heard before. When the Greeks would talk about God and they would talk about God proper, they would use the word theos. It's where we get the word theology from. So that, that anytime you see that little bitty root, theo, it means God. So when we find the word theos, we can find some scriptural evidence where they're referring to Jesus Christ. And I've given you one already, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then there's John 1.18. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. The book of John, John's gospel, is wrapped up in the concept that Jesus is God. I mean, the idea of, of, of writing a gospel was to tell of Jesus Christ's incarnation being made flesh and then to tell of his death, burial, and resurrection. But when you read John's gospel, it's really neat what John does. John gets to everything. John does the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, but then he keeps on a little bit. And we get another reference from John. And, and I, I, I want to remind you of this one. This is in John chapter 20, the story of Thomas. And y'all have heard the story of Doubting Thomas before, haven't you? 
okay? The story doubting Thomas, it says, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And he said unto them, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then Thomas answered. What, do y'all, know, y'all remember what Thomas said? What did he say? My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet who have believed. And, and that's a great place to stop in the story of Thomas. But if you keep on just a little bit more, John busts in. He gets a little aside right here. And he, it's like he grabs you by the, the, I've had to do this with students before. When it, you, you, you take them by the chin and you lift them up just a little bit. And John does that. And he says this. John says in chapter 20, verse 30, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, what he wrote... These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's John's whole purpose. John wants his readers to see Jesus is God. So you've got evidence of that. You've got the word theos being used to describe Jesus in the Gospel of John. In Paul's letter to the Romans, in Romans 9, 5, he says, The ancestors are theirs, talking about the Jews, and from them by physical descent came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. And Paul talks about him again as being God in Titus. In Titus 2, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to give in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul lays it out there. John does, Paul does, using that word theos. The first chapter of Hebrews is all about Jesus being God. In Hebrews 1.8, it says, But to the Son, your throne, O God, that's the Son, is forever and ever the scepter of your kingdom. And it's a scepter of justice. And that's quoting from Psalm 45, verse 6. I mean, the Psalms, we're working on trying to sing as many of the Psalms as we can in church. That's why we sang the song that we did this last Sunday, and, and Mark's going to put it back in this Sunday. Um, and those, those, those Psalms, they, they cry out that Jesus is God. 
2 Peter 1 verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's that Greek word that when you hear that word God, there's that Greek word theos right there referring to Jesus. And even in the Old Testament, and we, we hear this one a whole lot at Christmas and you don't think about it because it's just something that we hear really often. I don't know, there are certain songs that we sing that I can sing these songs and I could do something totally different. I mean, I don't work on cars very often. I know you're surprised at that. But there are some songs that you can sing and I can literally, I know this for a fact, replace the fan motor in a uh, 1999 Jeep Wrangler because I've done that as as I'm working. You can replace that because it's just in there. You don't really think about what you're you're saying. But around Christmas time, we quote Isaiah 9-6. For unto us, I could could start it right there. For unto us a child is born, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So there's not a part of the Bible that doesn't cry out to the Godhood of Jesus. So that's the word theos. That would be the, the first little group that we would look at right there. That first Greek word, theos, is how we would look. And those are scriptures from both Old Testament and New Testament that use, and it uses that word theos to refer to Jesus. Any questions? This is the part where I'm nervous. Because <laughs> I don't have notes for this. I'm just going to lay that out there. Go right ahead. That's right after the Abide chapter, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's um, your as as Tom continues teaching about this, he's gonna hit this theory that worked its way into the church over time that when Jesus was was in his earthly ministry that he gave up some of his some of his godhood there's nothing to prove that John speaks to that um, the number of times where Jesus is confronting the Pharisees and he perceives in his, he perceives what it is they were thinking he knew their thoughts um, there's there's nothing that shows that Jesus gave up anything um, for 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 I mean gave up anything. See, that's where you got to be careful um, because it, there, there is, he emptied himself. He, he did set aside his glory to, be, to take on flesh, yes. But did he give up any of his attributes? No. Jesus was God. Je- Jesus is God. See, working with those verbs right there, we're, we're gonna, I hope we get to talk about that. Um, any any qu- other questions about theos? Yes, sir. Well, one of the things, it being, being in worldwide, that, that they would do is you stay totally away from Christmas. Christ, I didn't celebrate Christmas for the first 17 years of my life. 
Um, and, and the reason that they had, the, their reasoning for doing that, the, the church propaganda would have been that Christmas has pagan r- roots. And you can, you can go and you can find where, yeah, there, there's, the, you can look at that and see. But you know what? You know who else has pagan roots? Me. You know who else has been? You know, if, if, if God can redeem this reprobate man, God can redeem any day that he wants. And this is big enough that we need to celebrate this. I think John addresses that in a weird way because John is where you find a mention of Jesus being in Jerusalem during the Festival of Lights, which is Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is, is not commanded. But if you go back and you look at the story of what happened for them to celebrate Hanukkah, man... That's, that's worthy of remembering right there. Just like um, Jews celebrate the, the festival of Purim to remember what happened in the book of Esther. And is it, there, there is no day better than another day. The, Paul, Paul lays that out there plainly. But man, is it worthy of remembering? Yeah, this is Jesus Christ becoming, an in, becoming incarnate, stepping into history in the fullness of time, Paul says. That, that this is what it's supposed this is when it's supposed to happen. This is worthy of being remembered. Right, but if you, if you asked that, then they would have started with, well, let me tell you why we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. And, and it, was, it was a great distraction because didn't, the, the Worldwide Church of God was a works based cult, it was work, excuse me, works based salvation. So you, yes, you were saved. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Now let me give you this list of rules that you need to follow to keep God happy. And you can do that when you deny the deity of Jesus. Jesus' atonement for us on the cross is full and complete. That's why he's hanging on the cross and he says, it is finished. And the temple veil rips from the top to the bottom because there's no need for it anymore. There's nothing to divide us from God anymore. Our, our, way, our path is open through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Well, if you take that and you cheapen it in any way, and you deny that he was God, well, then that's, that's like taking a leg out from one of these chairs. This, that's why the, this, this kind of study is deep but you want to have a general understanding of it because our enemy goes about like a roaring lion to steal, kill, and destroy. And what he wants to steal is our freedom and our joy in Jesus Christ. And he will send some of the slickest-sounding people, and he knows every argument that he can make to appeal to our nature. And if, if I, I think part of what was, what was really attractive about Worldwide was that you were doing something different. You, you go to church? I go to church on Saturday. <laughs> well, <laughs> you go to church on Saturday? Well, I keep the Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Well, you keep, the, you keep Christmas? Well, that's great. I keep the Feast of Tabernacles and the Days of Unleavened Bread and the Day of Atonement. And, and they, would, they would even say this all points to Jesus 
And then they would turn right around, and I say they, I was a part of that. I went to Ambassador College. I was going to be a Worldwide Church of God preacher. And, and I would, I would that's, that's where God pulled my family from. And denying that th- this, what we're studying tonight, it, it can be done. I mean, it sounds big when you hear someone say, I denied the deity of Jesus Christ. That sounds huge. I mean, it sounds like you ought to be wearing a black hood or something like that. I mean, it sounds rough. But, well, let's think about this. If I say that I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I don't go and I, follow, and I, I, I choose to follow Chad's commands, I choose to do what Chad wants to do, I'm denying that he's my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, God, that I can that 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 the Holy Spirit when He convicts you of that, that you immediately get on your knees and you ask God for forgiveness, and through the shed blood of His Son, you're taken care of. That 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 this is it's it's big stuff, and and you, you we're covering you know we're we're going to cover another Greek word here in just a second, but this matters because it's through stuff like this that the enemy will try and steal from you. Um, so moving on from theos, the other word that uh, another Greek word that they use in the, that's used in the Bible is the word. Let me say it right, kyrios, which is is the word for Lord. Now um, in in this time, um, the 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 common language, the the common the common version of Scripture at that time would have been Greek. So in the set, in the, the that version of the Old Testament was called the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, um, the, the word Lord shows up several times in the, Old, in the Old Testament. And you can find the word Lord being used like you and I use the word Mr. When my kids come in and they talk to me, they don't get to call me Chad. Some of them have tried it, but they, they don't get to call me Chad. And they, they, they call me, they, they use that word Mr. in front of my last name as a sign of respect. And that word Lord can be used that way. Um, it's used that way of Jesus. When Jesus in John 4, when Jesus in John 4 approaches the Samaritan woman at the well, she looks at Jesus and, and, and she, she says, Sir, um, <laughs> that's what she calls him. In, in the Bible, it's translated like that. Um, and, and this is a deep story in John 4 because it's really neat to look and if you watch the woman at the well she goes from calling him Lord as sir and then when, when she tells and, and let me find I'll just find the story and, and remind us of it because I need to be reminded of it because evidently I can't remember it off the top of my head all the way through um, I, I know what happens but I don't want to misquote um, Jesus is he comes up to the well and sits down, and a woman from Samaria, this is John chapter 4, verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
And in John 4, 11, the woman says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Well, that word sir, when you look at the original Greek, is that word kurios. And she's going to call him sir again later on in the story. And y'all remember what happens, don't you? Jesus looks at her and he, and, and he says, I tell you what, go get your husband. And she says, sir, I have. She says it again, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, and he lays out everything that she's done. And she looks at him this time and she says, I can see that you are a prophet. So she goes from sir to prophet. And Jesus lays out everything before her. And it says later on in John that she goes away and tells everybody, come with me, meet this man who's told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Christ? So she makes that move. And she starts off with using Kyrios as, as sir. And we come across Kyrios again in a slave and master situation. i got to check my time. 628, i got two minutes. Um, she uses, the, there's, there's that term curios in a slave-master situation. Well, what we're looking at, it's also the word in the Old Testament, it's used about 7,000 times, it's like 6,814, where, we call, where you find the word Lord in the Old Testament, and usually in your Bible you'll see it in all caps. And the reason it's that way is that they're using the word Lord for the proper name of God. Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, Jehovah. You'll see it various and sundry ways in different translations. But we see that word kurios used of Jesus Christ. Um, in Luke 2.11, um, when the angel shows up, when Jesus is born and talks to the shepherds and says, Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, I, th- this, is, this is Chad. Um, from everything that I've read, I don't see anywhere where the Jews would connected that the Messiah was supposed to be God. All they were looking for was a son of David. And, and I, I really kind of feel like the angel was, and God was providing some grace here in saying, in the city of David, just so you know where it's at, there's been a child born who is a savior, and he's God, and this is how you know him. Wrapped in, clo- in cloths, lying in a manger. And it says that when the shepherds go and they tell everybody this, when they walk up and they say, hey, an angel appeared to me, and this is what he said. He said, a baby's been born who is Christ, who is the Messiah, and who is God, who is Christ the Lord, that everybody went, huh? It says they wondered. Because they didn't make that connection. And in fact, all the way through the Gospels, the Gospels are are just the story of these 12 guys who hang around Jesus and they start to get little glimpses of the fact that this guy's not normal. 
this, this, is, this is something different. I don't think we're seeing everything that goes on. The one class I took in, in, uh, in, in a seminary-type environment was the story of Mark. And we read through it. We would read through a particular passage of Scripture, and, um, and then we would, we would discuss it. And the guy who taught it was, was really good. Um, but it was me and this guy from Pisgah. Who, uh, who got to read all the parts of the disciples. And so we'd sound like this right here because, well, Lord. Uh, and, and I think that, that that really fits in because the disciples are watching what's going on and they, they don't quite get. And that's me. That's Chad. Man, how many times do I watch God work? How many times do I see God at work and I cry out myself and go, God, why are you doing it this way? And God in his grace just, just almost puts his finger. His, shh, shh, it's all right. And, he, and, and that's what the Gospels are, is, is showing these men walking through this, and then we get to mirror that in our own walk with, with God. Um, but... Wow, I thought I was going to make it a lot farther than I, than I did tonight. I hope I didn't, didn't, didn't go too fast or anything. Any qu- uh, the, pa- uh, Tom will pick up right there uh, and talk with you more about the word curios. And there, oh, there is such cool stuff. I mean, like the whole book of John, the coolest thing happens when, you know, when Jesus is talking with the Jews and they talk about Abraham being their father and he looks at them and he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they all start getting down here and picking up stones because they're going to throw him at him because they realize that Jesus is standing before them. And when he, when he uses that weird turn of phrase, when he says, before... Back here in the past, I am. That's a verb from the present. And they hear that and they clearly in their ears hear Exodus 3. Where God looks at Moses and he says, who should I tell him sent me? Tell him, I am sent you. I am that I am. I am the one who is responsible. Who, who is who, That my existence depends on no one else but me. Nobody else can say that. I can't say that. My existence depends on little, little lame Jerry Strawn and, 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 and people that have gone before. God, Jesus, he's the I am. And there's such deep stuff in this. So hang in there with him. And when he talks and uses the, the, the Greek a little bit and, and digs a little deep, he's going to come to something in... I, I just, I'm just giving you a preview. He's going to come to something in Mark that I never, I've read the the account of Jesus walking on the water so many times. And he's going to come to something when he, because Jesus was, he did that for a particular reason. A particular reason he did that. I didn't realize what in the Old Testament points to that. Such good stuff. So y'all hang in there with it because when, when you hear oh, the deity of Jesus, yes, Jesus is God. I went to Sunday school. Yes, I've got that. Day. We need to be reminded because we're hardwired to forget. I know Chad is. I am, I am definitely hardwired to forget. 